what I learned is when I started to study the rich, and I don't mean like, hey, I'm a millionaire. I mean, 10 million, 100 million mm-hmm. plus. They do things differently, okay? And one of the things that they do different is life insurance. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Good afternoon, my good dwell listeners. Today, we have the pleasure to talk to Chris Larson from Asheville, North Carolina. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. Great to see you, my friend. Great to see you, too. Great to see you, too. And we were just talking before we went on air. Chris and I have a similar background. We both spent a bunch of time in D.C., actually on the same street. Not in the same house, but same street. It's crazy. We (laughs) almost bought the condo in the building that Chris used to live in and his wife. And now they live in beautiful Asheville. And kind of funny thing, Chris, which I didn't share with you, we almost moved to Asheville two years ago. Almost. We toured the place. We came in. We saw it. And we kind of settled in on Raleigh because of family reasons, but Asheville was high on the list. We're resonating at similar frequencies for sure. Yeah, definitely. So Chris, we're going to take deeper dive into kind of like your own journey and what you do and how you got there, but help us understand broad stroke, right? Just so that our listeners have the right context. Who are you affiliated with? What's your company? What do the company do? And then we kind of go from there. Yeah. So our company's Next Level Income. And thank you so much for asking. And I tell you, I share all of this in my book here, which I'm happy to share with the listeners if you're listening mm-hmm. here today before we wrap up. But I started in college. I grew up. School was pretty easy for me. And that kind of hurt me later on in life as I went into engineering school. I didn't really learn how to study very well. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I wanted to race my bike. So yeah. I, I was like, I'm going to race my bike, get a degree. I'll turn pro. I'll come back and figure out you know, what happens after that. But along the way, life, as we all know, throws some curveballs at you. And for me, my best friend passed away between my freshman and sophomore year in college. And at the time, I just put my head down. I kept racing my bike. And for me, it was wonderful because it was therapeutic. I can go ride my bike. And it kind of allowed me to have an escape from the, the pain I was feeling. But what I wasn't doing was I wasn't going to school. I was skipping classes. I wasn't really focused on that. I didn't, I don't want to be in school. I don't want to be there. I was really, frankly, I was probably depressed at the time. So it took me a while to kind of <laughs> gather that. And after a year racing, what I realized was racing didn't make me happy anymore either. And what I came to realize was that I felt that there was more that I was meant to do in life to just ride my bike around in a circle. Mm-hmm. And so I quit racing, came back to school, And I made this pledge to myself that I would live with no regrets. I wanted to take advantage of all that life had to offer. I wanted to honor the life that I was given. I also wanted to honor the life that my friend Chris didn't have anymore. And as part of that, we all know like you need money to be able to take Mm -hmm. advantage of opportunities in life, whether it's a business opportunity or an opportunity to travel, an opportunity to take, you know, maybe a new risky role or start your own business. All these things take money. And I started to learn about money, about investing. And the same family friend that got me into cycling also introduced me to this concept of investing or compound interest. And I had this money magazine, it had this upward sloping curve in it that showed mm-hmm. compound interest. It was talking about Roth IRAs at the time, which were a fairly new concept. So I started getting interested in the stock market. And that's how I really first got interested in investing. But after riding the ups and downs of the stock market in the 90s, I really yearned and I searched for a more stable investment area. So I said, I'm going to be an investor. I'm going to learn how to invest. 
And ultimately, after reading hundreds of books, getting an MBA in portfolio management finance, I decided that real estate was going to be my solution to mm-hmm. financial independence. The problem was I really didn't have a lot of capital. I had some money right. from trading in the stock market, borrowed money from my parents for my first house. Actually, more accurately, I had my mom co-sign with a loan. And then that's how I got my start was buying my first property when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um, Long story short, we evolved over time, ended up getting more into commercial real estate. Uh, now we syndicate projects and we do multifamily, we do self-storage, uh, mobile home parks here in the Southeast, as well as express tunnel car washes. Wow, Chris. First of all, I apologize. thank you for being vulnerable on the show, right? That I always appreciate that because that shows you're actually a real person, right? So sorry for your loss. I can't even imagine having to go through that loss and... Well, I think from what you've definitely honored your friend, right? The kind of life you're living right now. Oh, yeah. So I think I'm sure wherever he is, he's being proud of you. So Chris, kind of like what you just shared your story, right? Kind of like, let's actually take a few steps back. We were talking about you getting interested in money, right? Let's actually reflect on that. Because uh, yes, everyone wants to be rich, right? Kind of like growing up, especially when you're seeing, because you end up comparing yourself with somebody else and you don't don't necessarily have a whole right context. And the question does come at why this person has this versus I don't have that, right? Now, you, yeah. I think that's the right yeah. time to reflect also internally that you may have something more than the other person, maybe not materially, but some other way, spiritually, or you may have more love in the family or regardless, right? So when you were going yes. through that process that you got entrusted about money, and you got interested yeah. in investing. What was going through in your life? Yeah, and what so, made you and what um, made you to take that yeah. next step? Yeah, so a few <laughs> things. First off, I racing bicycles is interesting because cyclists, even if you're a pro, even if you're a good pro, you don't make a lot of money. Right. And you know, I was always fairly entrepreneurial. My father, who actually passed away when I was five years old, that really kind of gave me that additional level of perspective with respect to, you know, kind of the how finite life is. He was an entrepreneur, so I probably have it in my blood Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. But I was always looking for ways to make money. I sold wrapping paper when I was 12. I had a paper route. I worked odd jobs. I had like a loft business when I was in college. So I'd buy lofts. I would Mm. sell them at the beginning of the year. I make like $10,000 at the beginning of the year. I always enjoyed the game of money, how to kind of create value and do these things and sell and really create solutions, kind of put people together with different solutions. But When I read that article about investing and how you could be a millionaire by just investing a small amount Mm -hmm. every month because of the way compound interest worked, it really appealed to me as a numbers person. I was always in the math team and, you know, so I was like, well, okay, this is interesting. Like this is a way to multiply your time, right? Yeah. Like going back to that theme where I knew time was finite because of what happened to my friend. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have regrets. So what I was really interested in money for was the ability to have enough so that I could make my own choices. Right. I didn't want, I always had this issue with authority for whatever reason. I didn't want people to tell me what to do. And mm-hmm. as one of my professors said, he goes, always have some money set aside. So if somebody asks you to do something you don't want to do, you can tell them nuts to you. And yeah. you know, if you see my hand, if you're watching this, you say nuts yeah. to you. He was saying, F you, right? Yeah. We call that F you money. And the bottom line is, I think, you know, I always knew that if you had money, you had more options, you had more freedom. And that's really Mm -hmm. what I was looking for was freedom. Isn't that interesting, right? So, of course, your perspective has shifted 
because of your life incidents that has shaped you, right? Kind of like reflecting on when money can be two different things that I see, right? Money, money could be a passion, a lust, kind of like you just keep following it and keep Absolutely. chasing it and there's never enough, yeah. right? right? And then there's yep. the other side of that is, let me get money to buy freedom. I personally see that on my story, similar to yours, several events have happened throughout my life, which have kind of like, you know what, everyone's about, everyone's going to die. Hopefully all of us have long lives, but we just don't know how much life we have, right? So in the event, if you can become a billionaire tomorrow, maybe you will, or maybe you won't live to become a billionaire. You miss out on today, right? So there's a fine balance between, and money usually is an option. Money is an option. As I see, money buys you options. Money buys you choices. Money may also buy you beautiful, luxurious cars and homes and everything else you want. But more importantly, it gives you a choice, right? And I think that's really what drove you, it seems like. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a choice. And I really, look, I grew up in a very modest home. And it was, you know, if we were upper middle class, we were just. But we were definitely middle, middle class. My mom was an assistant teacher. My stepfather was a contractor. I made more money the first year I worked than both of them combined did. Mm -hmm. So it was a very, you know, very modest. And I would not say that it wasn't ever in my face. It wasn't ever painful. Like we didn't have stuff, but like my grandmother made my clothes, you know, we couldn't buy the, Mm -hmm. you know, the designer shoes. And I didn't really travel much. We didn't really go on vacations when I was younger, but that didn't bother me. Um, So I think you're right. You know, I wanted to, have the option to do things that I wanted to do when I wanted to do them. And cycling really influenced that a lot. It also gave me the chance to travel a little bit and say, man, I want to travel and do things as I continue you know, to get older in life and you know, be able to have these opportunities and these experiences. So let's fast forward, Chris. That was then. Now we're here. How is yeah. life shaping out for you right now? Where are you on your yeah. freedom journey? Yes, I feel very fortunate and very grateful. I worked in a W-2 role. I mean, to be fair, 1099. W2, a lot of people call it, you know, like a corporate role in the medical device industry for about 18 years. Really enjoyed that. Got to work with some wonderful people, got to work in the OR. So I got mm-hmm. to take part in literally thousands of different surgeries, which was very enjoyable. <laughs> Love the technology, but was always investor first. That was kind of my mm-hmm. mindset. And as I made money, I put together rules that I had. So, you know, rules like save 50% of what you make and invest in cash flow businesses or investments, different things mm-hmm. like this, right? So as I was able to build up our cash flow, as I was able to build up our passive income, I was able to walk away from that. And now you kind of fast forward, as you were saying, my boys are 11 and soon to be 13. Oh, and that's, awesome. that's really what my life revolves around. Yeah. So I get to, I get to do things with them. I get to travel with them. I get to have different experiences with them. My older son is off school tomorrow. I'm going to take him skiing. Oh, that's beautiful because you can't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that's really, you know, so if you said, hey, Chris, like, you know, give me an example about like, you know, what your life's like. Tomorrow's a great example. I'll get up, I'll get a little bit of work done in the morning, and then I'll get to spend time with him and do that. But from a bigger perspective, you know, one of the things I realized, and, you know, if you're listening, I know you've been through this yourself here, Socket, but, you know, if you're listening, you know, it's what's interesting is as you get to that point where you don't have to work anymore, it's actually very anxiety provoking because mm-hmm. when you're used to something being, you know, your identity for so many years, yeah. especially if you're, you know, a high profile professional in a role, or, you know, you're in a leadership role, it's hard to walk away from that. And I took a lot of time to kind of figure out what 
my next step was, my next level, if you will, yeah. in life would be. And you know, our business, we share investments with our investors, but even more so than that, we're an education company. We try to share education with our investors, you know, and those can be people that will never invest with us mm-hmm. or people that have been investing with us for years. So they can take the same shortcuts and, you know, really get to a point of being able to live life on their own terms as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think it's interesting to reflect back on that, right? Because I think what most people think, and I was one of them, that being financially free means you're going to be a beach bum, right? I don't think you and I are cut from that cloth, right? We're still working. We're working hard every single day. I mean, what we do, syndications, and both of us are in the similar fields, it's not an easy thing, right? It took a while to get us to a point where you and I are now talking, and it took a long journey, and it was a hard journey, right? So it's not easy, but the advantage of doing not having to worry about where your next income and paycheck is going to come from is really more about are there days where you can choose not to work, like your time with son, your son tomorrow. You don't have to ask for permission from anyone, right? And right. you are right. controlling your own time. Does not mean you're lazy and you want to just sit on the beach. You may want to that too. That's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in that. But that's not the reason why we did it. Right? There'll be That's moments right. of ups and downs. You still want to add value to people's life. You still want to be a significant contributor in changing people's lives. Yeah. Right? I think that's really what, I don't know what drives me. I would love to hear what drives you to still continue working so hard when you don't have to worry about where your next check is going to come from. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that really is it. And as you, you know, as I kind of try to figure out like what the next chapter look like, it's like, how do you make that contribution? How do you make those mm-hmm. impacts and do that? And for me, it's easy. I look through kind of the lens of my children and say, hey, what can I do to make my boys proud? What can I do? What lessons can I teach them? And a lot of times as I'm putting together, you know, material, whether it's for our course that just came out here at the end of last year, or whether it's the book or whatever it might be, it's like, okay, do my sons understand these concepts? Mm-hmm. Right, so that they're easily digestible by almost anybody, and you know it allows me to kind of challenge myself and say, okay, you know maybe I took this concept that may be complex, but how can we make it simple? How can we make it easy right. so it can impact as many people as possible, and really unlock these secrets that, in a lot of cases, as you know, as you know, have been kind of kept by the wealthiest portions of the population. And the reason for that, right? There's a reason for complexity. Because uh, nobody, at least on the Wall Street, nobody wanted to be available to everyone because then they're not going to make money. So the concepts are, they have jargons and they have sophisticated (laughs) terminology does not mean that the product is actually not good or nobody else can understand it. You know, Chris, I'm going to pivot really quick on something. I'll, I'll piggyback on this topic and pivot on completely something different. I know you and I have been talking about a concept of infinity banking right? Yes. It's one of those topics which has been villainized as a life insurance policy by a lot. And I'll talk the names like Susie Ormans and the Dave Ramsey's of the world where life insurance is a scam, right? You should not look at life insurance as a bank and whatnot, right? So actually, let's take a piggy, if if you don't mind, I would love to explore that a little bit more because I know you're a firm believer on that product. I've been a converter, Right, I've been converted now to believe in that. I've I've had several policies on that regards for the last four or five years. Before, I remember somebody would ask me, "Hey, should I buy a term or a whole life?" I'm like, "Just buy a term. It's a scam." Term, yeah. Right. I was one of That's those. What I was taught absolutely. 
That's exactly yep. what I was taught. But I think the question was yep. until I started hanging out with the right folks, which is my ecosystem changed right. and I kept an open mind. I didn't yep. realize it. So let's actually yep. take a deep dive. Yep. When you're talking about, let's simplify the whole terminology, right? When we talk about, we'll talk about infinity banking. Now, infinity banking, for those of you who have never heard the term before, it's really a life insurance policy that can act as a bank for you, which essentially means who are the wealthiest people in the whole country, chances are they're going to be bankers, right? Banks, the primary institution yeah. that's going to be making money on top of your own money and make, without really putting their own capital, they may they end up making a lot of money, right? That's really what the model for infinity banking is. And we're going to use very commonly known product, which is life insurance, to create a bank for us. So Chris, with that context, help us give your perspective and how do you marry with your syndications for your own purposes and also for your investors. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, we're going to break this down step by step. And because I've spent a lot of time thinking about like, how do you conceptualize this and why does the industry get it wrong? And why is it Mm -hmm. hard to understand these concepts? So first off, I worked for State Farm and same thing. I was a licensed life insurance agent. And I'd say, buy term, invest the difference. Because I said, that's how mm-hmm. I was taught. And, and you know, I'm sorry, the, on, your, your yeah, State Farm, this was before yeah. your, you became a syndicator? This is, yeah, like 20 years ago. 20 oh, years this ago, was way back when. Perfect. Way, through my MBA. Perfect. Yeah, many, many years ago. So, and by the way, I have, a, we had a whole free webinar. We have free white paper online. So nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the banking link and you can get a whole presentation mm-hmm. on this and you can watch it, you can review it, and you can challenge these concepts. So first off, this little story exemplifies this. I was having this conversation with an investor one day. He said, my investment group disagrees with you, Chris. And I said, okay, great. I said, let me ask you a question. And this is where like the Susie Ormans and the Dave Ramsey's, mm-hmm. where you can kind of say, hang on a second, we're dealing with something different here. I said to him, how many people in your investment group are financially independent? He said, zero. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, how many in your investment club are worth eight figures or more? He said, zero. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, well, we need to consider maybe you know who you're talking to. And yeah. I think you know if you listen to Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman and you know the typical financial advice out there, they're probably not teaching to you if you're listening to the show. They're teaching to people who are just trying to get to the point that they can Correct. maybe one day retire Correct. and maybe have enough. If that's for you, great. You can stop listening right now and follow that advice. But what I learned is when I started to study the rich, and I don't mean like, hey, I'm a millionaire. I mean, $10 million, $100 million mm-hmm. plus, they do things much differently, okay? And one of the things that they do different is life insurance, and specifically whole life insurance. They have lots mm-hmm. of it. One of the reasons they have lots of it is because it's predictable. Another reason that they have a lot of life insurance is because it's confidential. It's a contract between two people. So those are some nice things that you have. You also have to remember that my father died when I was five. My best friend died when he was 18. My experiences color the fact that I know that life is finite and I want to make mm-hmm. sure that my children had, had some stability and security if something happened to me. So I'm colored by that, right? But I want you to stop and think about insurance like real estate for a moment. If you buy term, it's like renting, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, renting a home or renting an apartment historically has always been about a third cheaper than buying. Mm-hmm. But my guess is if you're listening to the show, you probably own your own home. You probably own more than own, own home. You may even own some real estate or be invested in some real estate. The questions are why? One, leverage, right? Mm-hmm. When you buy a house, you own the leverage because you own the asset 
but you're paying it down an amount that's probably lower than the equity that you mm -hmm. have. This is like whole life insurance. Think about whole life. You have that mortgage that you pay over a period of time. It might be seven years. It might be 10 years, 15 years, 30 years, whatever you choose for it to be. If you structure it properly, and this is the core of the infinite banking system that Nelson Nash developed, you can actually borrow money out of your insurance policy. So just like as your house goes up in value, you can borrow money from your home tax-free, mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you want with that money, and your home continues to increase in value, even if you're not paying on that mortgage anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with insurance. And that's the second thing that the wealthy do. The wealthy, they don't take a salary, right? They use their assets and they borrow against them to take money in a tax, in a very tax efficient way. So if you think about those things a little bit differently, you know, that's going to help <clears throat> kind of understand the concept. The next piece of this puzzle is something that, again, this is a big difference between, you know, what the rich do and the poor do, right? So when you own insurance and you have the ability to do this, you can have money working for you in multiple places at one time. So it takes a while to put this into place. But when you put one of these policies into place, you can actually take money out of it and invest it in another place. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? This is where becoming your own bank comes into play. You own the asset and you own the liability. And that's what banks do, right? So they have the asset and the liability. And that's the challenge because a lot of people say, well, why would I borrow my own money from myself just mm -hmm. to reinvest it? Well, if you can borrow it at 5% and earn 5% on your money, that money's compounding at 5%. If you pay it down in a simple straight line fashion, we illustrate in our webinar how you're actually making money in that. But chances are you probably have opportunities to invest that money at 5, 10, 15, 20%. And that's how the rich continue to get richer and richer and richer. That's what banks do. That's what Wall Street does. And then you can even go and take this to multiple different levels and you can take this and you can create generational wealth because once you take these life insurance policies, you put them in say a trust structure, you can create literally nine figures of mm -hmm. wealth for your family in a very short period of time, which I don't know any other product that you can do. And that's why I say this is a product. This is a solution. This mm -hmm. isn't an investment. If you ask my best friend whose wife died three years after he got an insurance policy on her what his return on that investment was, he probably wouldn't take too kindly to doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's the last thing. Your average investor says, hey, I can get a better investment somewhere else. Well, it's true, but where else can you get a specific amount of return over a specific amount of time that you can't get anywhere else? And that's where yeah. term runs out because at some point it just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas my policies, if I live long enough, the insurance company <clears throat> will actually cut me a check for the amount yeah. of my policy. So I just covered a lot in, you know, No, that's interesting, right? So I think I want to pass it out. Yeah. So I think a few, I'll tease out a few important things. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the few things, right? I think we're not saying it's right for everyone. I want to put it a big disclaimer out, right? Yeah. It may or may not be. That's right. So I think you'll have to work with your advisors. Yeah. And if you don't have one, contact us. We'll figure, we'll, we'll help you connect with one. What we're basically saying is keep an open mind towards an insurance policy. And not every insurance broker and not every insurance policy is credit equally. So you have to really, really, really work exactly with somebody right. who knows yeah. infinity banking concept. Because I'll give you a very quick example, right? Yeah. There are two ways, there are two levers to pull in an insurance policy. And Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. 
there's really cash value benefit and a death benefit. Mm-hmm. Most of us yep. are always looking at insurance policy as a death benefit. When we're looking at infinity banking concept, we don't care about the debt. We care about the debt benefit, but that's not the reason we're buying it. That's a side benefit of it. What we're looking at is how can I maximize my cash value? How can I figure out the, the premium that I'm paying? Most percentage of that is going toward cash value. Now you can get a $1.5 million dollar life insurance policy or $200, 200K life insurance policy, depending upon how it's structured, the two for the same amount of premium, a 200K life insurance death benefit, the major portion of your premium is going to go towards cash value. And for the same amount of premium in a $1.5 million, your cash value is going to benefit is going to be reduced, right? So I think these are complex topics where I don't think we can cover on this episode yeah. here. But I think what we, what we really wanted to show was the power of that is there is a tool of this is where we talk about conventional thinking is not going to make you rich so you can either be conventional or you can be wealthy right yeah. you cannot be both that's right so what yeah. the show is all that's about right. is bringing people like chris to make sure we can challenge the conventional thinking and give you another perspective so what we're now saying is okay now i have the infinity banking i've put the money in i've bought this concept how do i use it right I think let's yeah. talk to a case study. It could be an abstract example. Say I want to buy a rental property for $500,000. And my cash value, I have about 400K in cash value sitting in there. How do I use it to buy this property? Yeah, so we can use that example. I could actually use a real life example. In That's even better. As well let's do that. that. That happened last year. But so first off, you can really take this concept and you can do multiple things. Like we did almost 15 years ago now. It was actually, my son will be 13. So it was 14 years ago, the year before he was born. We just set him up instead of a 529 plan. So we said, hey, we're going to mm-hmm. put aside, say, $1,000 a month, and we'll have an, actually a guaranteed amount of cash value that we can then mm-hmm. draw against. And here's why I like that concept. Now, I can give my children a student loan. And some people may say, well, that's silly, Chris. Why don't you just give them the money instead of giving them a loan? Well, now my children understand a couple different concepts. They understand the cost of capital, Mm-hmm. I can say to my children, here's $100,000 of cash value in this insurance policy that you have access to, but you can use it for school. You can use it for a business. You can use it to buy a car. You can use it to buy a piece of real estate. Mm-hmm. What if you get a scholarship? What if you don't get a scholarship? What if you go to right. school? Very simple concept you can do. So once you have that cash value in there, last year, I had a friend of mine. We buy car washes, okay? And we syndicate car washes. So he calls me. He says, hey, Chris, I have this off-market car wash deal here in town that uh, one of our mutual friends was selling. I looked at it. I was like, well, it doesn't really fit our model. And he said, well, would you be interested just in partnering with me and doing it? And I looked at it. The numbers looked really good. And mm-hmm. the challenge was we needed to close in 30 days to get a 10% discount. Yeah. Okay. So fortunately, I had, let's say I needed $250,000. Let's say it was a fairly significant amount of money. Mm-hmm. I had at least that much in my life insurance. Now, I would never have that much cash just sitting in an account because what happens is you have what I call liquidity drag, right? Your money's sitting there. It's not earning a return. It's getting eaten away by inflation. Maybe it's earning a percent or two or three in your savings account. Whereas my insurance policies, I've averaged almost 6% Mm -hmm. return on my cash in these policies. I was able to literally wire the money within an hour for the down payment for that car wash. Now, what happened was... What started is, and I'm, I'm going to use some round numbers here, what started is a $100,000 down payment. When the bank came back, they said, oh, actually, we can't give you this full amount. 
right now, the way the underwriting standards are, you know, you're going to need another $150,000. Mm-hmm. So it went from a hundred to $250,000, not a problem. Wired the money. It wasn't an issue. We're refinancing it. It worked out as part of the business plan, but I was able to take that money mm-hmm. and do that. So it's a very easy way. And I know we're going to get that money back through a refinance event this year. So yeah. I can plan to have that money come back in. Oh, by the <laughs> way, I'm earning a really nice 30% cash on cash return on that invested dollars. So that's more than paying the five, 6% interest rate that I'm paying on the money that I quote on yeah. quote unquote borrowed out of that policy. Oh, and by the way, because we structured it, like you said, with the right type of insurance company, I'm still earning my guaranteed rate inside of that policy. And I'm earning a dividend on top of that. As so that's if, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll add yeah. something to it, Chris. As if you never took out the loan. As if I never took the money out. And that's really the wild thing. And that's why I relate it towards owning real estate because your house doesn't care if you took equity out of it or left right. it in because right. your house is going to continue to grow in value based upon the value of the house, not the yeah. value of the cash inside of your equity. So you know what I, I always like to explain to some folks who I'm talking about the infinity banking, it's really a HELOC, Right. It's I really a HELOC. Yeah. You're getting a HELOC on Same your house concept. and you, you draw it, you pay it back, you draw it, you pay it back and it's available to you. The problem with HELOC is yeah. the loan amount of the HELOC is fixed, right? Whatever the credit is given to you, that doesn't change. The beauty in the infinity the banking, banking call, is... Or the bank can call that loan. Or the bank yeah. can call that loan. The beauty of the infinity banking is not only does your cash value grow, there's no callback procedure, right? And I think I also want to talk about one more thing, Chris, where you talked about is within hours, you could wire the money, right? And I think the reason, it's important to talk about the reason. The reason is not because the bank's just giving you the money. Bank doesn't even have to approve that loan because it's really your money as the life insurance beneficiary, right? right? You control your money. It doesn't have to be a bank involved, yeah. Right. I think that's the most powerful thing. If you believe the deal is right, you go do it, right? It's your money as if it was money sitting in the cash. Yes, there's one extra step you have to take, but no approval required. You just have to go through one extra hoop, but it's not that painful. But given the option that we have. So I think it's a powerful concept. I would encourage everyone to at least take a look at it, right? Now, if you have further conversations, you have Chris, you have me, you have people like ourselves available to have a further conversation, of course... We'll have to understand your situation to tell you before we don't just call Chris and say, hey, Chris, is it going to work for me? That's not a five minute conversation, right? So that's a deeper conversation. We want to make sure no, we do it right. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And the thing is what we've tried to put together and our concept, we call it the investment optimizer because we've actually mm-hmm. mated the concept of what you call infinite banking with investing in syndications. And if you right. are already investing in syndications, what we've done is created a pathway. So mm-hmm. this whole process, this this insurance pays for itself in that. And that's really the cool thing is if you set it right. up the right way, you're not really paying anything for it. You're getting this additional benefit. And yeah, you do have to go through the process. But once you do that, you have this really cool tool that can be used for investing, mm-hmm. can be used for other things. And the best part, in my opinion, is you know I can sleep well at night because if something happens to me, I know for a fact what my children and my family are going to be yeah. taken care of from a financial perspective with. And Chris, you know, there's also a misnomer, right? That I'm 52 or I'm 46 or I'm 42 or I'm not 20 anymore. I shouldn't be getting a whole life or I shouldn't be getting IUL. From your perspective, is there an age restriction on when this concept stopped making sense? 
Well, so that's the nice thing. When you look at this, and this is what we try to do, we articulate what the actual insurance costs. And that's where mm-hmm. you mentioned before, Socket, that you typically you're going to structure a policy around the amount of insurance you want. We structure around the amount of money that you want to put into the policy. Correct. So we minimize that. And you can see if those numbers make sense for you. But here's the thing. If you and I had a business relationship, we're not related, but if we had a business relationship, I could get an insurance policy on you. You could get one on me. Correct. So you can do policies on your on your partner, your spouse, your children, your business partners. You mm-hmm. don't have to <clears throat> insure yourself to Correct. use this concept, which is really powerful. So there's a lot of different levers that you can pull to mm-hmm. see. So if you love the concept, again, it might not be for you. I had a, a younger gentleman called me. I went through some questions with him. He wasn't married, didn't have a family. I said, well, why do you really need insurance? He goes, I love the yeah. concept. He worked on Wall Street. I said, look, I don't, well, I really can't see how this would work for you because yeah. like, who's going to get the insurance? And he goes, yeah, I don't know. I said, well, <laughs> if you get married, if you have a family, like, you know, right. but he didn't have anybody that needed the insurance. So he actually had a stock portfolio and he was going to leverage that. So he used a similar concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you have a relationship, if you have a family, if you have an insurable interest, and again, it doesn't even have to be you that you insure, you can still use this concept. Wow, Chris, what a journey, man, from what you started to being competing in cycle races and now all the way to infinity banking and financial freedom. I love this story, my friend. Thank you again for taking the time and sharing with us. So, Chris, we're coming towards the end of the show. I want to respect for your time as well. We always end the show with two questions. First question is going to be going back in time when you were in that zone of not sure what you want to do, what life's all about. We're kind of like asking the deeper questions. If you had the chance to go back to that self and kind of give them one insight to make their migration journey in life more intentional, more, I would say not easy, but more productive, what would that be? Yeah. I would say get a coach as quickly as possible. And I mean like a real coach, like somebody like a mentor to do that. Because no matter where you are in life, there's somebody that's probably been there, Mm -hmm. unless you're Elon Musk, right? There's probably somebody that's been on this path and can help you and can help shortcut that. And that's, again, that's really what drives us behind our educational materials and those sorts of things. But I would say, Chris, you know, you don't have to try to figure it all out yourself. Go Mm -hmm. find somebody. There's something, just keep looking for somebody that's done what you want to do. Awesome. One last question. I think I know you'll you'll love that question as well. It's more about, we've talked about you. We talked about everything else. So you do your family. We talked about your previous self. What about the whole humanity? I mean, what do you want and what is your vision desire for humanity to migrate towards? I know we were talking about DC and the level of stress there. Yeah. I think it's just, I feel like you have thought about that answer. You thought about that question. Yes. Yeah. And I think about it a lot and it's weird, right? Because <laughs> when you talk about money, you're like, well, there's not, maybe there's not as much meaning behind money as, you know, like saving the environment. I'm an environmentalist. I love to be outside. We were talking about taking mm-hmm. walks in the yeah. woods here right before the show. And what's interesting is I heard a great interview a couple of weeks ago and the gentleman's a scientist. And he said, the number one predictor of if people care about the environment is whether their country has a per capita GDP of above $5,000 a year. Mm. The bottom line is, again, this goes back to what we started talking about at the beginning of the show. If you have the financial ability to do things, I think you're free to live your best life. People are going to care more about helping others, helping the environment, doing what their talents 
or doing what they're put on earth to share their talents and do. Right. And that's what drives me. And I understand, you know, this concept, some of these concepts in finance, if I can help share those with other people, hopefully they can share their talents with other people. And I think that's just going to make the world a better place. Awesome. Chris, on that nobody, I'm pretty sure some of my listeners would want to get in touch with you where they can find you. Yeah, super easy. Nextlevelincome.com. You can get a free copy of our book. Just click on the resources link. You can get a free copy. I'll even send you one. You can also get, if you click on the banking link, you can get that webinar in the white paper. It talks all about the concepts that we shared today. And if you have any questions, just click on the contact link. You can get in touch with us, answer any questions that we didn't talk about. Awesome, Chris. Well, thank you, buddy. I have to come out to Asheville to meet you. I love Asheville's place. Would love to see you guys. And thank you again for taking the time and adding value to our listeners. Appreciate it. A pleasure. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.